Ladies and gentlemen, this is our main event. Welcome to the Throwing Jabs Podcast with Jace Garcia and Jared Jones. Hello, welcome to the Throwing Jabs Podcast, episode one. This is going to be our first official episode. We had episodes 0.1 and 0.2. You guys can check that out on our SoundCloud and throwingjabspodcast.com. I'm Jace Garcia, and I am joined with Jared Jones. And let's dive right into the recaps of the fights that happened this past weekend. Starting off with what happened Friday, Andrew Casillo stopped Alberto Machado in the third round to retain the WBA regular 130-pound title. People were saying after their first fight, when Casillo took the belt from Machado, that this was a fluke, this was a big upset. A lot of people didn't think that Casillo could beat Machado again. So what are your thoughts on it, Jared? Um, Well, this is the perfect example of why Anthony Joshua's first fight back should not be Andy Ruiz. Because styles make fights. This Cancino kid is not the real deal. I repeat, (laughs) Cancino is not the real deal. Last week I asked you about Emmanuel Augustus. Emmanuel Augustus, who Floyd Mayweather said was his best opponent. 38 wins, 34 losses, and 6 draws. That's Augustus' record. In his six, first six fights, he fought five undefeated fighters. Cancio's first six fights, he had two draws. He was 4-0-2. And, and hit the combined record of his first six opponents, one win, 38 losses. This guy spent his whole career building up his record to get a Machado-type fight and then slipped into the glass slipper. And managed to fit the bill two times in a row. Like I said, styles make fights, but Machado's the better overall fighter here. They fight a third time, he'd probably lose again. But if there's a fighter to look out for in the future of those two, it's definitely Machado. This is just the guy he can't beat. So Machado's just sitting out there waiting for another one to come in and beat Cancio and ta- and then take the end up taking the title back from that guy? That's what you think? Um, I don't think Concealed can hold it down. If you look at his record, his strength of opposition, this is this is not where he belongs. I don't know if it was Concealed's body punches that were so vicious that stopped Machado or just Machado not being able to take, take it to the body. So I, I do agree with you. I would like to see Concealed fight some more talented guys and then we can make a real judgment on how actually good he is. Definitely, because he doesn't have the pedigree. Outside of this fight, he he has no quality opposition. Now, a big storyline coming out from that fight card <clears throat> is the co-main event, Elwin Soto defeats Angel Acosta in a controversial 12th round stoppage to capture the WBO junior flyweight title. Now... I thought it was an early stoppage. I know Soto had a couple knockdowns early in the fight. But other than that, 
Okoso was putting it on him. All Soto could do was cover up. The ref said that his hands were down after the knockdown, which his his head his hands were down, but also his head was down. He was ducking the high punches. So I don't think that was the right stoppage. What do you think, Jared? This is a problem in boxing, and it comes up a lot because that was tragic. From my point of view, it reminded me of Peter Manfredo versus Joe Calzaghe, where they just there was a little flurry, and he jumped. At least this guy got clipped. Like, he did get clipped, but I think Soto was hurt. And trying to counter out of the flurry that he was yeah. receiving from Acosta, and then the counterpunch landed... The ref jumped in way too early, but I prefer too early to too late. Yeah, you know, yeah, with the with the right. with the medical stuff we have coming out at a, and at an alarming rate, um, you don't want these going too far. That being said, stoppages like that could ruin the sport of boxing. You don't you don't want them being stopped that early. He was he was still in the fight. He had his head in the game. He was intelligently defending himself, as they would say in the UFC. And I, I personally would not have stopped that fight and was upset that it that it got stopped. Yeah, it cost him the title. And other than that stoppage, a hell of a fight. Yes. They were banging. Yeah, they buddy. were throwing. <laughs> Moving right along, taking a quick step back from normal boxing. As we talk about one of the biggest storylines in all of combat sports this past weekend, Artem Lobov beats Polly Malinaji in a decision in bare-knuckle fighting championship. First off, I want to ask your thoughts about the whole... I don't know how much you saw of it, Jaron, but what did you think of bare-knuckle fighting as a whole? I watched most of it, and it got a lot better ratings than I expected. It's actually yeah. doing a lot better than I expected. I figured this to be the uh, kind of more of a niche, extreme, you know, wing-type uh, event that would always have to be on pay-per-view and it obviously will i don't think this will ever go mainstream but it got a lot more play than i thought it was going to that being said this just it doesn't feel right to me it feels like we're taking a step backwards instead of forwards um especially with the safety stuff i just mentioned uh did you see the pictures of Polly malinaji's hands Oh, yeah, that was... Busted good. up. And I had said last week in our podcast that Polly Polly's got bad hands. Yeah. How are you going to go in there barehanded when you go through 10 rounds with 10-ounce with gloves and you're by the fifth round, you're using one hand to try to beat a guy? I've seen Polly in several fights I thought he was going to win that he ended up losing, not because he wasn't the better boxer, but because one of his hands was broken. And now you're in there barehanded, so you bang up each other's faces, you bang up your hands. If this is a little bit better neurologically, it's it's not worth the trade-off everywhere else. Look at these injuries. These guys yeah. can't do this but twice a year. And if you're going to get any name recognition, let's say you had a bare-knuckle fighter you didn't really know. And you don't want to feed him people like you've done with Cancino. You don't want to build a record. And give him people that have no chance of beating him over and over again. Right? How long is it going to take before you know that guy? With, the, with what's going to happen to their hands, they can only fight two or three times a year. Especially if they're competitive fights. So it, it makes, it, it makes uh, name recognition really, really difficult. It makes, it's going to be hard to sell to the general public. It's just really hard to see this surviving. Now, yeah, I agree with you. 
I did. I I caught the last bare knuckle fighting championship, and this one that happened this past weekend, it seemed a lot more tamer than the last one I saw. It seemed a lot more technical, and it was still was still very graphic and very gory. What I figured out from from just the entrances of Polly Malinaji and Artem Lobov. Polly getting booed. This isn't boxing fans that are watching this. This is MMA yes. fans. Yep. This is MMA fans watching this. It's the just bleed gladiator type fan. Yeah. Why don't we have both of them fight a lion instead? But also that <laughs> same night, you have people, more people tuning into this than you have the world. You have world class fights on UFC for MMA fans and even in Bellator. So. There is something about this, mm. something about this that people draw. Yeah. Enough about just bare knuckle fighting as a whole. What are your thoughts on the actual fight itself between Polly and Artem? I guess it went a little bit like I expected. I got, jeez, oh, it just, it, it, it was so, so much punishment these guys took. Yep. Um, and that's what I had said last week. I see him taking a lot of punches. I see Polly being the better boxer, but he has bad hands. Yeah. And Labob being the stronger guy, I don't think either one of them can finish the other guy. And that's basically what you got. There there came a time when I wanted it to stop. And it wasn't because either guy was rocked. And it wasn't like there wasn't a good time to jump in and really end it. What are your that, thoughts on the decision? Did you think Artem Artem? I thought Lobov he did won? enough to win. Okay. Yeah. At the end of the fight, I had no clue who won that fight. Because huh. from a boxing standpoint, I can see how you give it to Polly. He's staying on the outside. He isn't take. He is dodging and he is using his footwork to get out to stay out of trouble. But Artem, if you're looking at an MMA standpoint, Artem is the aggressor. He is controlling the ring, so I could see it going either way. It just depend depends on who the judges are and what kind of scoring is taking place. Also, Polly seemed to me like he was coming out ready for a 12 round boxing match. This is five two-minute rounds. Yeah. He was very hesitant, very trigger-shy, even in the first round when his hand wasn't broken. Well, and see, you have to know that. that that's, that's one of the fight parts I would weigh in on is that um, you have to know that Lobov is going to come in for, with five two-minute rounds. Being an MMA guy, like, boxing's different, but you know he's going to be on top of you, that his plan is going to be to put the pressure on, and that you better counterpunch fast and hard and be ready to go for the duration of that fight. And I think you're right. Polly was hesitant, wanted to outbox him, wanted to not get touched, and doesn't have it like that anymore, it didn't seem like. Yeah. Now, before we move on, I want to know... Jared, was it a good experience watching Bare Knuckle Fighting? Did you have a good experience watching it? Is this something you'll go back to? Uh, probably not. Yeah, I have to agree with you. Polly and Artem, just the names, sold this. It's it yeah, yeah. I mean, if Tom Cruise and Justin Bieber do it like that, that's, that's yeah. you know. And it's what I keep saying about Scrub Scraps is that if you put it in the right circumstances, it, it it's the opposite of this. Yeah. Everything that doesn't work about this is it's it's this is a step in the wrong door. This is going closer to gladiator stuff, like you said. You know, have them both fight a lion instead of each other. People would watch that, but I don't want to be a part of it. 
Yeah, and moving right along back to actual boxing as we get to Premier Boxing Championships on Fox. The co-main event, Guillermo Rigondeaux defeats Julio Ceja in an eighth round TKO. Now, you didn't like, you you weren't that big of a fan of Rigondeaux. And you thought Ceja was going to win. So what do you think of the fight, Jared? You know, Rigondeau, I I don't I'm not sure I'd necessarily say he's a boring fighter so much as that when those flashy quick guys lose a step, this guy's attractive to boxing purists and not fight fans. These bare these hardcore bare knuckle boxing fans are not going to be a fan of Rigondeau because he outboxes people when he wins. And doesn't doesn't really have a tendency to overpower and overwhelm. I was a little bit surprised by this fight, but uh, Rigondeaux looked good. This fight was opposite of what you would think of Rigondeaux. He was standing right in front of him. He he kept his guard up, and he looked and he he found that punch, and it came in the eighth round where he he, he got the TKO. But they were just standing in front of each other. Seha was more on the offensive, but yeah, Rigondeau found Seha's light switch in the end. Now, moving on to the main event, Jermel Charlo gets back to his winning ways in a third round KO of Jorge Cota. Now, what does this mean for Charlo going forward? Because this was was a tomato can of a fight. We all knew that Charlo was going to win. We don't need to talk about the fight. Let's talk about where Charlo's going (laughs) forward. This is uh this is we've uh, we've we've touched on this twice uh in the Cancio fight and and Andy Ruiz and and Joshua but this is this is a similar thing. Yes, I think he should get his rematch with Harrison and I think he needed a tomato can fight to to bounce back when you're an undefeated fighter, you take a loss like that. You ever heard of the yips? Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's just like that with a pitcher or a or a quarterback or a golfer who all of a sudden has doesn't have it the same. I've seen it happen to fighters a lot of times where they take a hit like that, they take a loss like that, their brain never really recovers from it. So to get him back in there, to get a win against a somewhat, you know, a decent opponent, um, the guy's got a winning record anyways, Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then get your rematch with the guy that you thought you were going to beat the first time, right? fine. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I think he should get his rematch. I think it's time for it. All right, now moving on to our current events. Starting off with some drama from we we're learning about Anthony Joshua leading up to the fight with Ruiz. Now Joshua has come out and said there were a lot of issues going into this fight with Gerald Miller, L- Luis Ortiz pulling out, and Andy Ruiz stepping in. It all makes for the drama show, the entertainment of heavyweight boxing. Obviously, with all that happening, there's going to be drama. But the big the big story coming out po- post the fight was, I know this isn't the most reliable of sources, but Joe Rogan on the Joe Rogan Experience podcast says, I have from a good source that Anthony Joshua got dropped in sparring the week of the fight, and he got hurt real bad, that he was very tentative coming into the fight, and very vulnerable. Now, getting knocked down and sparring leading up to a fight, you never see anyone come out as the victor in that. 
if it's true, like, I mean, again, I'm a, I'm a psych major. That's the first place I go when you're Anthony Joshua and you're uh, the greatest one of these in recent times is Ronda Rousey started yeah. believing her own hype. I'm just going to go in there and maul people. I don't need arm bars anymore. That's how you won all your fights. As soon as she got away from that, she couldn't win. She couldn't fight. She couldn't do those other things. I'm going to outbox a 22-time world champion boxer. No, you're not. so for joshua if that's true that he got dropped in sparring it's the type of thing that you don't know what that did to his confidence and then when you see this guy in the ring and it looks like something we haven't seen before that goes without saying he 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 had things happen to him that have never happened to him before and now he's acted like he's never acted before that makes sense from a psych standpoint that, that makes perfect sense that's what you're supposed to do when new stuff happens did he look like he lacked confidence? Yeah. Did he look like somebody who wasn't supposed to knock him down? Maybe did the day before, and now he's questioning himself. As it, yeah. that's that's how he looked in the ring. Yeah. Yeah. Also, there are reports coming out that he had a panic attack and an anxiety attack right before going out. So that obviously is gonna mess you up in the ring. Bob Aaron is also quoted post the fight. I've seen Anthony Anthony Joshua fight before, and it looked like there was a different guy in the ring. I mean, I don't know whether he didn't train hard for the fight or what. I just want to see Joshua get back to Joshua. And if that does if that does take a tomato can before the Ruiz, give it to him. Yeah. If it if he can come back to himself against Andy Ruiz in a rematch, go ahead for it. Well, then that's the danger here is that he might not. Yeah. A loss like that. A knockdown like that and sparring, if he was hurt real bad and knocked down a spy, he may. And then to take a loss, what does that do for your confidence? Now, now I was just talking about him lacking confidence and lacking the, the, the tenacity he once had based on being knocked down in sparring during that fight. Now, in sparring, you do you probably didn't have any cameras there. You've got nope. you know, 30, 40, 50 people in the ring maximum. Now you had how many millions of people have seen Ruiz? You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like if that day, if you if your confidence was shaken by a knockdown in sparring, then yeah. your confidence is devastated after a loss to Andy Ruiz. Yeah, and moving right along to Andy Ruiz, he held his post victory press conference. Some of the notable quotes from it is. I can do a lot better. The only thing that he can do is just run around. He's not good at boxing. There's going to be a lot of changing. I'm going to come at a better weight this time. From this press conference, we discovered that the rematch will take place in November or December. From those quotes, what are you what are you thinking, Jared? I think uh, Andy's doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing. Yeah. You know, he's, he's trying to sell a fight. He's... Um, making it obvious that his confidence has grown from his victory and his opponent's confidence has withered from the loss and that he's going to do it again. And I also like the idea that the a lot of times the winner in the rematch, you don't hear about making any adjustments. Yeah. It's always the loser making the adjustments, you know. Yeah. So the fact that he's coming in and saying, I can do a lot better too, I respect that. Especially him dropping weight i think is a big thing because he did come he was everyone made fun of him because of his weight go leading up to the fight and then even when he was the champion everyone was like this is our this is our heavyweight champion 
But I think that's something that will be very beneficial for him. And I'm excited to see this rematch if it does take place in November or December. Yeah, I think it would be great. Now, moving along, Andy Ruiz holds the WBO Heavyweight Championship that he won from Anthony Joshua. But the WBO has come out to announce cruiserweight champion Alexander Usyk as mandatory challenger for the WBO heavyweight title. Now, I remind you, Jared, prior to the Fury fight, the WBO was going to strip Ruiz and put the title on the line because Fury... The winner of Fury and Swartz Swartz was going to be the WBO. So what do you think of Usyk coming in? All right, this guy. This guy I like. This was was one of my guys in the division to look out for. And it's a golden opportunity, too, with Ruiz having taken the title from Joshua. Like I said, styles make fights. You know, and this is, is, uh, I think Usyk could come come in, beat Ruiz, Get his name on that uh, on that short list for, for the best heavyweight fighter in the world. He has been lurking. Now is the perfect time for him to strike. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Also, I, I don't know how I feel about this, though, because you are taking away... Because Fury, the winner of Fury and Schwartz was supposed to get that mandatory challenger. but So you're taking away, as the organization, one of the best possible fights we could have. In Fury versus Ruiz or Joshua. You're taking that away from us. But I guess Usyk is a good a good replacement. See, and the pro the the struggle I have here is as a as a handler, I want Anthony Joshua to go to go find something else to do. I don't mean like like work the bag groceries at Big yeah. Y, but I mean you know, find some find find a fight that if I'm a handle, but as a fan, let him fight Fury. Go, go, yeah. let let that fight happen. Usyk can fight Ruiz. The winners of those two can fight. Wilder can do whatever he he can fight Ortiz six more times if he wants. If that's what he wants to do with himself, it's tough. It's it's tough. The whole landscape of the heavyweight division is up in the air until we find out who Anthony Joshua is. Yeah, you're right. You you brought up Fury versus. Anthony Joshua, that was a fight I was saying was going to happen while the talks between Joshua and Wilder were going to happen because I think Joshua didn't want to come to the States. And Fury versus Joshua, both being Englishmen, would be a great thing for England. Yeah. And talking about fights outside of the United States, Triple G is holding out on the Canelo Trilogy contract. He doesn't want that fight in Vegas. And who can blame him? The the judges have been on Canelo's side for the most. Ha, ha, I, I definitely agree. Yeah. been on Can- Canelo's side. I had Triple G winning both fights, for the yeah. record. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so what do you think of him holding out on this contract? Are we going to see the trilogy fight? Or are they just going to move on? It's tough to say that we won't. I think they'll find a way to get this done. But it's hard to blame Triple G. To be honest, it's 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 really tough to say. You know, and again, as a fan, I'm like, I'm always reminded of the mid '80s when when ha- uh, Marvin Hagler fought Sugar Ray Leonard, and 
Leonard was the big name. He was the big money guy. He was the Floyd Mayweather of the time. And he wanted, like, instead of an 18-foot ring, he wanted 22, 23. He, he, he picked where they fought. He picked what kind of gloves they wore. He picked how big the ring was going to be. He got to make all these decisions about the fight. And I feel like prior to that, at least from my knowledge, there wasn't a lot of that political stuff going on in boxing. It was like, you two should fight. Okay, let's fight. And they broke, you know, they had gloves and they got in a ring. And nobody cared about all of those things. Watching the benefit that that had to Sugar Ray Leonard to make all of those changes. And I think that's this this is just another example of the politics of where we're going to fight, what kind of equipment we're going to use, how big the ring's going to be, yada, yada, yada. Those little things can change the outcome of a fight. That was big in, in not getting the Joshua Wilder deal done. Yeah. But I feel like Triple G... There's some validity to this. They had the two fights already in the States. Let's go international. Let's go to Europe or even, hell, Canada. It doesn't matter. Let's move it around. Or even he, he, he specifies Las Vegas. It doesn't even have to be in Vegas. Yeah. Let's go to Cali. Yeah, yeah. Let's go somewhere else. I, I understand where Triple G's coming from. Well, when you go somewhere and get robbed, and then you try to go there again and you get robbed again, you know, I'm not hanging out with a couple hundred bucks in my pocket on the corner seeing if that same buddy's there. No, because yeah. I'm probably going to get robbed again. You know, you, you start steering clear of those people in that neck of the woods when you get robbed too many times. And that's that's basically how he's feeling is I went there and got robbed twice. I'm not going back. Yeah, you, you're right about that. Now, moving right along for our newest segment, which we debuted in the last show with the Tom Cruise, Justin Bieber conversation. This is a more relevant, more legitimate fight we got for who you got. Now, there's a video. You can check it out on the Throwing Jabs Twitter page. I I posted it. It's from ESPN. It's a video of Lomachenko hitting pads and his high kicks. He's training in Thailand, and it showed his Thai high kicks. Which were pretty good, to say the least. So for <laughs> who you got, yeah. yeah. So who you got, Vasily Lomachenko versus Henry Cejudo, MMA. Oh God! And this one, I want to see Lomachenko sprawl. I want to see him spar wrestling, sparring, whatever a mix in a mixed event. If he can sprawl. He's got a chance. Yep. Otherwise, you take, you're not going to hire a carpenter to wire your house or an electrician to build you a table. You know, these guys have jobs, and to think they're not, we've all seen Michael Jordan play baseball. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like, it's like uh, my brother said to me once I'm sure people look at Tiger Woods and see him hit that little ball with that little stick and say, I bet he'd be a great second baseman. Because because they're doing the same thing. They're both just hitting a ball with a stick. Obviously asinine. And here we are again. If it's an MMA, if they fight in a cage, I'm taking Cejudo. Bet the ranch. And if they fight in a boxing ring, he won't touch Loma. No, not at all. Um, I think if one of them has a chance 
and in the other one's venue, it I it would be Loma. I think Loma would have a better chance of beating Cejudo in MMA than Cejudo would have of beating Loma in boxing. I disagree with you completely there. I think Henry, so he's not going to win in boxing, but he, he at least has power and he has the puncher's chance. In MMA, we're talking a gold medalist Olympic mm. wrestler. He he does not stand a chance. He can, Even if he does learn how to sprawl, he won't be able to sprawl away from Henry's chain wrestling yeah, or his clinch work or anything. I think, yeah, it, it's, it is... And you give Cejudo a bigger chance in a boxing ring? No, no, no. This is a two-time gold medalist, too. (laughs) I give him a bigger chance in boxing than I do Lomachenko in MMA. Yeah, we disagree on that one. Because Cejudo has shown he has power in in his hands. So he could. And wrestlers, they have good hips. And where do you generate the power from, from a power punch? It's your hips. But the power, I mean... Oh, who's who and who put power on Lomachenko so far? They haven't been able to hit him. I don't think a wrestler's gonna throw the punch not, that lands. I'm not saying he's gonna win. I'm not you'd saying you just he's take gonna, it, you'd give him I, more of a chance than, than Loma, Loma in the in MMA. And see, they start on the feet, and I and I think a quick uppercut on his way in for a shot. Um, keep him on the outside with a jab, unless he gets you to a clinch and up against the cage, the fight's already over. I mean, we agree on that part. It is. <laughs> there is no if. It's only going to happen. <laughs> He's a gold a medal wrestling champion. Okay. <laughs> All right. That was fun. Moving right along to our previews for this weekend. Starting off with today, Friday, June 28th on ESPN. Big ESPN. Not ESPN Plus. Not ESPN 2. We have a fight boxing gods have sprinkled a little bit of controversy on because Richard Comey is battling Ray Beltran. Now, Ray Beltran yesterday during the weigh-ins missed weight, so the IBF lightweight title is no longer on the line. Now, this is an interesting division, the lightweight, because this is Loma's division. Comey... Has the other belt, but it isn't a real championship until he faces Loma. Yeah. So, w- what do you think of this fight? Um, I like Kami to win. Uh, I don't like Beltran missing weight. This is one of my no. biggest hangups no. in 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 fight sports. Is that it's your actual body, and you have all that time to figure out making weight. If you can't make weight, you move up. I'm tired of seeing people miss weight by eight pounds and go out and win their fight and take a little pay cut and win their, like you won and the other person lost. And it's because you missed weight. Floyd did that once and just paid the, he's like, what was the fine? He was laughing about it. You know, yeah. and he fought Juan Manuel Marquez came up two or three weight classes to fight the guy. And then you miss weight. Yeah. If you can't, if he'd signed a catch weight for five pounds heavier, Marquez still would have taken the fight. This reminds me of the last Canelo fight versus Daniel Jacobs. Jacobs missed weight, but it seemed as a strategic yeah. missing of weight. He was he, he didn't seem 
uh, very regretful for missing weight. He seemed his normal self, and he seemed happy. He tried to use it as a, I don't know, a scare tactic or yeah. just. But he was sl- slower and not. He, he just couldn't match Canelo. Do you th- is the same thing going to happen here, or is Ray? Do you think Ray Beltran is actually missing weight, or it's strategic? That's hard to say. Anywhere outside of that individual, or maybe the closest people to him in the gym, it's it's kind of hard to say. I think that it's become too beneficial to be strategic. You know, like like yeah. that to miss weight, you you take a win and a pay cut. Most of these guys, you're going to charge them 10%, and they're like, okay, I'll take the win. I'll take the extra weight and the pay cut. And that's a conflict of interest. If it's better, if you're better off taking the weight and the pay cut, then it should be more of a pay cut. It's a conflict yeah. of interest to make it beneficial for these guys to make, miss weight, and I think that started to happen here. That being said, Ray Beltran's got a lot of miles on him, man. This is a yeah. tough, tough guy, yeah. but he's got a lot of miles on him, and he's fighting one of the best guys in the division. So I think he loses this fight. I think if it was a lack of training or just missing weight or just not knowing his own body, which seems unlikely... Uh, or whether it was on purpose, regardless, he's at the tail end. He signed a big fight here. He's tough, but uh, he'll lose this fight. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Uh, hopefully, this fight will be the stepping stone for Kami versus Loma. Loma. Yeah, yeah. that's what we hope for. Now, moving right along, tomorrow night, Saturday, June 29th, Showtime's got a big card. As Jamal Charlo Mm -hmm. defends his WBC Interim Middleweight Championship against the winner of the Contenders TV show, (laughs) Brandon Adams. Now, Brandon Adams does have that Contenders TV show champion to his name. And he beat Shane Mosley Jr. Does that hold enough to put up a fight against Charlo. It's not that that holds it for me. What holds it for me is he's the he's the anti Andrew Cancino. He this guy every I talk about Emmanuel Augustus, five of his first six opponents being undefeated. You know, those those are the t- this this Brandon Adams guy is no joke. He took the money over the fame. He fought the better guys when he had the choice. To either to test himself and make himself better, or he wanted to actually be the best fighter. He he ne- he he. If you look through his fights, he didn't make a habit of building his record in order to get a big fight somewhere down the road. He fought the toughest guys that he could get in front of him and ended up here. That's a that's a little bit different route than a lot of people take to twenty three and two. You know, where I accident like Cancino, who accidentally lost fights he wasn't supposed to lose. Accidentally ended up with draws with people he was literally supposed to demolish. Brandon Adams is not that guy. That being said, Jamal Charlo is one of the best in the game. I see him winning this, but not easily. I'm really excited about this. This is one of the fights uh, uh, that we've spoken about all day that I'm uh, yeah. that I'm that I'm really excited about. Yeah, this is going to be a great fight. I'm I'm Team Charlo all the way. Uh, I d- yeah, I do think he's going to be able to get it done 
it, it it's going to be a tough, good boxing match. Yeah. And tune in to Showtime to watch that. Well, and that'd be my upset lookout. Yeah. If there's one on that card, that's the one to look out for. This Adams kid can fight. And also that night on DAZN, uh, God help me with his name, it's Mesage. Mesage. Mesage, yeah. Selisky. Selecki. Selecki, who is 28-1, his only loss coming to Daniel Jacobs, who we just talked about challenging Canelo for the championship. Yeah. He takes on, Selecki takes on Demetrius Andrade, who's 27-0, the WBO middleweight champion. Now, I know you're, you're a big fan of Andrade. What do you think of this fight? Uh, I think this will also be a great fight. Uh, I like, I like Andrade. I think he'll win the fight. But again, a quality opponent. These are these are yeah. two quality fighters, which we don't get enough of, especially on the way up. You know, if you watch the undercard, a lot of times it's this guy and then this other guy that he's supposed to beat. Yeah. You know, and then the losses are shocking. When they come in their first 10, 15, 20 fights, you know, yeah. unless you're Loma or Emmanuel Augustus, you're not fighting all the best guys all the way up. And that's that's become a tragedy yeah. in, in boxing that we're feeding. These guys are almost being victimized. Some of the journeyman fighters. That being said, this is a great fight. This is the match. One of one of the matches we should have been looking for in the middleweight division. And uh, I think we got it. And I like Andrade. Yeah, I think. I do think that there is upset potential here, more so than the Charlo fight, because Andrade hasn't. There aren't really any big names on Andrade's. I agree with that. So, I think he definitely. This would be a good fight to put him in contention to fighting Canelo or Triple G. I think with the news we talked about, Triple G holding out on the Canelo trilogy fight, I think. If Charlo wins and Andrade wins, those two are fighting Triple G and Canelo next. Yeah. So I'm excited for this fight, and it, it should be a good one. I got my TV set up, so I'll be able to watch both at once. <laughs> <laughs> also on this zone card, we have former WBO heavyweight champion Joseph Parker. He's only got two losses to Dillian White and Anthony Joshua. He holds the win over Andy Ruiz, and he is taking on Alex Lepi, 31-7, and face Klitschko when he had the title. What do you think of that fight? Um, I think this is, for all intents and purposes, is a Tier 2 fight. I think Parker is kind of become um, a little bit of a gatekeeper. Yeah. And he sh he should win this fight again. There's no reason for me to believe he's gonna he's gonna lose this fight. It is a heavyweight fight, makes it inherently a little bit more exciting. Uh, anything can happen. But if Parker plans on getting back into contention, this is a guy he's gonna need to beat. This just seems part of the pattern that he's fallen into since the Joshua fight. A loss, tomato can loss. Tomato. tomato. <laughs> <laughs> so I expect him to win. Well, no disrespect to Alex Lepi. He he did challenge for the title once. But yeah, I expect Joseph Parker to come out of this wholeheartedly 
with a W. Also on the card, Khalid Yafai, 25-0, defends his WBO Junior Bantamweight Championship against Norbelto Jimenez, who is 29-8-4. And this is Jimenez's first fight outside the Dominican Republic. That can't be a good sign for Jimenez. Yeah, wh- why? Three three of his last four opponents have losing records, Jimenez. And this Yafai, this is a perfect example. His first fight, because they knew he was going to be a Bantamweight champion, his first fight was against a guy named Delroy Spencer who was 14 wins, 139 losses. Wow. This is what I'm talking about. Wow. <laughs> you that's... literally fought like the UPS guy. So for him to be fighting a guy that's 29 and 8, you're 25 and 0. When are you going to fight the other best guys in the division? You ha- he fought one undefeated guy, 25 and 0. You fought one undefeated guy. Yeah. Augustus, five of his first six fights were undefeated. I've said that three times now. This guy's fought one undefeated guy in 25 fights. And now, on a stage this big, you're just you're just collecting a paycheck and fighting a subpar opponent and doing it over and over and over again. And we've talked about, I think I said in our first show, the difference between the UFC and boxing, they both have a problem. Because boxing has a tendency to feed guys like this that are decent fighters... But we don't know that he's the best because he won't fight any of the other guys that are even in his stratosphere. And then UFC has all tough fights all the time so that the guy that's 8-8, eight and eight, you can't really tell how good he is. Until you really do all the math and the research on the history of the... And, and this guy... At, I don't know why you're fi- I hope he loses. <laughs> I, hope you, I hope Jimenez wins that fight, but I don't think there's much possibility of that happening. And that's, that's why, I, why I'll root for him. Yeah, I think everyone's just trying to chase the Mayweather zero at this point. Yes. Everyone wants to be undefeated. And ever since Mayweather retired undefeated, it's hard to it's hard to sell something that's not undefeated. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> well, and it's hard to argue with the logic of I can take tough fights and get losses and not get paid as much. Or be undefeated every time and collect a paycheck that's 80% of what I would get for that title fight that I may lose and then take a pay cut in every fight after that because I'm not undefeated anymore. It's really tough to argue that formula. If you're For the fans, it sucks. But if I'm a fighter, if I'm a fighter and I've got to fight somebody that's 12-0, and 0, and make a uh, hundred thousand, or I've got to fight somebody that's eight and four and make eighty thousand. I'll take the eighty grand. I'll take the small yeah. pay cut and the weaker guy, and I'll do that for my whole career and retire fifty and zero and and hand select Canelo too early and Pacquiao too late, yeah. <laughs> and do what I have to do to get to get paid. So it's as as an individual, it's the tragedy of the commons. It's really hard to argue with that with the logic of. I'm trying to feed myself and my family. I'm looking for the biggest reward with the least amount of risk. Isn't that how our brains are set up in everyday life for everything we do? Even people who aren't professional boxers want to maximize their rewards and minimize their risk. That, you know, for the boxing fan, that that sucks. I want to see you guys risk it and go out there and want to be the best fighter in the world. Yeah. 
You should want to be the champion of all eight of the worlds. The WBO world and the IBF world. All eight worlds you should want to be champion of. (laughs) That would be good. That would be best for the fans, but it just wouldn't be best for the fighters. And also the promotions, you know? They don't want a DAZN fighter going to fight a a Showtime fighter and have the DAZN one coming out with a loss. So I, I understand what you're saying. Now, moving right along. Our final segment, as it always is, and as it always will be, Jared hit me with the flurry. Uh, This week for the flurry, I want to talk about a meeting that I had last week with some of the Connecticut state officials for boxing. I'm trying to get uh, scrub scraps approved and certified so we can do a safer version. Uh, um, Boxing, and then you have the bare knuckle fighting. This is the opposite direction. Bigger gloves, bigger helmets. No ropes, no ring. They do it on a mat. You back up too far. You bring them to the middle. I'm telling everybody about the psychological values of combat sports. And they all understand the psychological values. And they all want to make make these things happen in our game so that it can be helpful to the people that need it most. The problem is that with all due respect to the people in that room... um. You have a bunch of old, functional people trying to decide what's best for young, dysfunctional people. That's not always going to work because they're pushing me toward um, trying to sell the psychology of it. And for soccer moms and functional people, that'll work. They're telling me the fitness aspect. And the psychological aspect stay the same, even if you shrink the gloves, shrink the helmet, and put them in a ring. And that's true. But the participation doesn't stay the same. Those kids aren't going to... You know what's great for people who are struggling? Therapy. You know what a struggling person doesn't want to do? Therapy. (laughs) You know what's great for addicts is meetings. You know what addicts don't want to do? Go to meetings. Yes, exactly. When they're functional, these are things that can help. I'm talking about a program that brings from dysfunctional to functional. So to say it's got all this psychological value, it's got all this uh, fitness value, that's true. But at the same time, until you see the the scrap, it's not going to entice people the way that every fight video goes viral on the Internet when it happens it's right away that inherent thing inside of human beings that wants to watch that wants to be a part of that if it's something i can do on my skill level and safely if the guys in my weight class and on my skill level would i want to fight a lot of people would answer yes to that and most of them need the fitness and psychological benefits that are associated with combat sports and the way we funnel them in is to make it safer but when i talk about what dysfunctional people are going to be intrigued by don't be functional and 20 30 years removed from when you really cared about this game and tell me that if we hang some posters and tell people hey this can help get your life together that that's what's going to draw them in because it's not and yeah i i I agree with you completely next week is uh usa boxing so i've passed past connecticut boxing they want to try to approve it and if I get USA Boxing on board, Scrub Scraps will be a thing. Nice. And good luck with that, Jared. Thank you, my man. 
All right, and that will be it for the show. Now, Jared, how do fans reach out to you if they want to get in touch? Uh, I got a Scrub Scraps group coming up on Facebook, and uh, and I'm setting up a Twitter account. So right. stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, my, you can follow me on Twitter at Big Jace J A C E the Ace, as well as I got an Instagram. You can also like the Throwing Jabs podcast Facebook page as well as at Throwing Jabs on Twitter. And check out the website, throwingjabspodcast.com. That's been it for this show. Thank you all for listening. See you next time.